So Acts chapter 3, we'll start reading at verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And we'll stop reading right there. God bless you for standing. Uh, back to verse 1. We're talking about Peter and John. Uh, Peter and John obviously uh, uh, being close uh, one to another. Uh, we see this in the Gospels and even more so throughout the book of Acts. But it says that they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which would have been the ninth hour. This would have been the, the time of the evening oblation, as you read it put in the Old Testament. Uh, but the, this was an hour of prayer that they were going up to, an hour where people would uh, would uh, descend or ascend into the temple. They would go up there, they would pray, they would offer sacrifices. And Peter and John, go there and there's a certain man, the Bible says, was lame from his mother's womb. This wasn't uh, something like we see in the Old Testament. If you've ever read the account of Mephibosheth, it's not a case like his where he was made lame by accident. He was dropped by his nurse at a very young age. This isn't something that happened later on in life. This is something that says that he was lame from his mother's womb. I don't know if it was a, a, a misformation of bones. I don't know if it was a disease in the bones but the Bible says when the healing took place that he received strength in his yeah. feet and in his ankles regardless of what his situation was though it says that he was lame from his mother's womb he had always been that way folks this is a beautiful picture these ten verses here it's a wonderful picture yeah. of salvation that comes yeah. by the name of Jesus yeah. Christ yeah. it's a beautiful Praise picture God. of salvation that comes by the blood of Jesus Christ this man, he was lame on his feet from his mother's womb. Not a thing in the world that he could do about it. It says that they, it doesn't say who they were, but it says they carried him and they laid him at the gate called Beautiful. Folks, it doesn't matter how beautiful that gate was. It doesn't matter what kind of jewels adorned that gate. It doesn't matter what it was made of, whether it was gold or brass or platinum or what have you. It doesn't matter how good and how pretty man not man made that gate. What mattered was that two men that were under the influence of the Spirit of Almighty God. They were making their way to the temple and God met them there. And this man that was laying on his feet, he received healing by the name of Jesus Christ. Through the power of Jesus Christ. By these men doing nothing but saying silver and gold. Have I none but such as I have given thee in the name of 
Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk. Praise God. The same thing happened to me one day when I got saved. The same thing happened. I'd heard preaching when I was younger. I'd heard preaching through my teen years. I even heard some in my 20s and on up in to my early 30s. I'd heard preaching. I knew what the Word of God said. I knew who Jesus Christ was, the, the historical Jesus Christ, but I didn't know Him personally. But one day, He came to where I was. One day, hey, the men had already been sick. Peter and John had already passed by multiple times in my life. But he said, this isn't doing enough good. I'm going to go myself. I'm going to redeem him. I will save him through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. These men, they walk up to the temple together. It says Peter and John went up together. Together, it tells me they were in one mind and they were in one accord. They had, they had the idea they were going up there to worship God, to pray to God, to make their petitions and their supplications known unto God. Hey, I doubt either one of them had any idea whatsoever that this man would be laying there. And this man, hey, he had been laying there all of his life as far as we know. All of his life, he'd been laying there. He'd been carried up there probably by his parents by his friends, by family members, by good Samaritans, by the do-gooders. He had been carried up there by everyone and anyone, but none of them were able to do what Peter and John told him that Jesus Christ could do for him. Praise God. Folks, the world will promise us a lot. How many countless Jews walked into that temple by that man? And they threw him a couple of denarii, a couple of pennies, maybe just a half a day's wages, or maybe a quarter day's wages. How many thought, well, that should be good enough. That should get him some bread. That might buy him a fish. Folks, that'll do us no good. It does us no good to be physically sustained if we are not spiritually sustained. It does us no good to live a hundred years on this earth. And I don't care what charities we donate to. I don't care how many naked people we clothe. I don't care how many homeless people we help or how many hungry people we feed. If we do it outside of Jesus Christ, it is all for naught. If we do it inside of Jesus Christ, if we do it at the commandment of Jesus Christ then it counts something to the glory of God it counts to the glory of the kingdom that he has promised to come praise God if we do those things outside of Christ though it's all for naught it's so that you'll get a pat on the back from your fellow man it's so that your fellow man maybe a fellow preacher or a Sunday school teacher maybe a parent or a child maybe a grandchild maybe someone will pat you on the back and say good job and they'll say God's given you a check mark upstairs for that hope says that ain't the way this works it is not the way this works you're either saved or you're not it's not a matter of how 
many check marks you've got or don't have. It's not a mark. It's not a matter of a grading pattern of God. What matters is that when God looks before or looks on top of you, when the day of judgment rolls around, if He sees you, you are in trouble. But if He looks down and He sees the righteousness of His only begotten Son, then we can say, we can call Him Father. Then we can say, Glory, Hallelujah, Amen. Then we can say, I'm a child of the King. They go to this man. Neither one of them have any idea what's going on or what's what's going to take place. The lame man had no idea. Peter and John, I'm sure, had no idea. But when God gets in the mix of things, when God meets on the scene, it don't matter who knew what beforehand. It doesn't matter when God can commence two of his men and he can direct them to say what they need to say. That's when the miraculous can happen. That's when salvation can occur. Hey, God doesn't need us to to go out so that he can save people. God can do it all on his own. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me for anything. He is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need us to do anything. But folks, per the words of the Holy Writ of Scripture, he expects his people to go out and spread their gospel from one side of the world under the other. He expects us to go, go, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He expects that of His people. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need me to do that. I need Him. He doesn't need me. Folks, I'm going to die and I'm going to go on one of these days. I don't know when. It could be tonight. It could be next week. It could be 50 years from now. But I promise you, if God ain't come back and I die, this world will continue spinning. And God will still rule this world in 50 years the same way that he rules the world right now. I spoke about that this morning. I hear so many people say, well, I believe in God. I go to church. I believe the Bible. But I don't like that God does this this way. And I don't like that he says it's got to be that way. And I tell them all the same thing. When you can go off on your own and you can create your own universe and your own world and your own air and your own water and mold your own people out of the dirt that you have created, then you can rule your own world. But until that day, you are in the world of an omnipotent, omniscient, holy, and all-ruling God, whether you like it or whether you don't. Amen. This fellow laying here at this temple door. The gate called beautiful. I'd say he might have had some bad thoughts along the way. Lame from his mother's womb. Why me, God? How many of you have said that? I have. I have. I've, I've said it since I've been saved. Why me, God? Why me? It's like we think that God owes us something. God don't owe us a thing. God don't owe us salvation. Salvation's a gift. Hey, this the healing of this lame man at the gate called Beautiful at the temple. That was a gift from God. That was nothing more than the grace of Almighty God. Everyone that Jesus healed while he was here on this earth in his ministry throughout the Gospels, whether they were blind, whether they were lame, whether they were deaf, whether they had leprosy, 
no matter what their what their problem was, what their ailment was, whether it was physical, whether it was mental, or whether it was spiritual, Almighty God through Jesus Christ did not have to heal any of them. It was by grace. It was because of love. It was because of mercy. It was to demonstrate His power here on earth. Amen. And it was also to glorify God. Don't you forget that. I spoke on that this morning too. I ain't meaning to repeat this morning so much. God don't save you because He loves you. He don't. Come on now. You tell me He does. I'll point you to the scriptures and say otherwise. God saves you to bring glory to Himself. Amen. Amen. Bible says in Galatians three, forgiving you one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He forsake or He forgives you for the sake of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ didn't die in vain. That's why God forgives you. It ain't because He loves you. The Bible says that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. Hey, He loved the world so much that He gave His Son. He gave a way that we could be saved. He gave away because he loved us. He didn't save us because he loves us. He saved us because of his son willing to put down his life that we could be saved. Amen. You read it all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the New Testament. God the Father constantly glorifies and glorifying God the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. This is, this is my beloved Son. God constantly glorifying the Son. And the Son constantly glorifying the Father. Saying it's my meat to do the Father's will. That's what He told them in John chapter 3 when they came. Hey, the other boys, they'd gone into town. That woman at the well. Or John chapter 4, I'm sorry. That woman at the well. Jesus met her there. Showed her who she was. Showed her who he was. And when they came back, he said, you don't have any meat. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Hey, we as New Testament Christians, that should be the meat of every one of us. Whether we're eating bologna sandwiches or T-bone steaks, our meat should be to do the Father's will. Amen. I'm getting off track, but that's okay. God's good. After... After they said the line that so that's quoted so often, after Peter says the line of silver and gold have I none, after this, says he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Folks, this is something the church needs to grasp. Discipleship of new converts. Amen. Discipleship. He didn't just leave them sitting there and say, Well, you're healed. Go about your business, do what you want to. Says he reached down, he took him by the hand, and he lifted him up. That's that speaks volumes about discipleship of new converts. Too often, and especially in certain denominations that I won't name, but too often, somebody comes to the altar, they make a profession, they say they get saved, and the church leaves them there. They say, well, they got saved, he should be all right now. I ain't saying God can't take care of them. But folks, discipleship is taught in the Scriptures. It is taught in the Scriptures. In fact, Paul wrote to the Galatians church, Galatians 6 and verse 1. He says, if a brother be taken in a fall, ye which are spiritual are the ones that are supposed to restore him. We're the ones that are supposed to lift him up. We're the ones that are supposed to exhort him. We're the ones that say, yeah, you messed up, but praise God, he's just as forgiving now as the day that he first saved you. We need to remind people of this. 
God don't lose his goodness just because we get saved. He don't lose his grace just because we get saved. Folks, this man here says they reached down. Peter reached down, grabbed him by the hand, and pulled him up. <coughs> says immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. My Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he's able to save to the uttermost. Yeah. Amen. Able to save to the uttermost. Hey, when this man was healed, I don't read that he stood up and then he hobbled around. I don't read that he walked around with a limp for a few minutes. I read that he leaped. And I read that he went into the temple. Hey, he didn't go running into town. He didn't go running to the bar. He didn't go running to the hell holes that he had come from. Yeah. It says that he went directly into the temple. He went to the place where he knew that God would be. Yeah. He went to the place where Peter and John were going. Because they're the ones that told him about the Savior. So if you got saved... And you're still doing the same things you was doing before. You never got anything. You never got anything from God. If you're still going out to the places, doing the things, hanging out with the same people, all these things. If you're still doing those and you feel no conviction, you never got salvation to begin with. This man, this man's a picture of what a new convert should be. What how a new convert should act. They're healed completely. And I got saved. It was like 33 years of sin was taken off my shoulders. All that sin was lifted off at once. I felt, I felt like a new creature because, bless God, I was a new creature. I was a new creature in Christ at that point. That's how I felt. And every new convert should feel that way. I ain't saying that you should cut a shine. And I ain't saying that you should act a fool. I ain't saying that you have to do those things. But I am saying that if you are a new creature in Christ, you will look like a creature in Christ. You'll act like a creature in Christ. You'll dress like one. You'll speak like one. Because you are one. That's the old saying. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it must be a duck. Same way with the lost world. Same way with the lost world that is still inside of many of our churches. They might come in. They might sing the songs of Zion. They might sing with a beautiful voice. Then they'll be right back out in the bars the night, the night after. Or they were there the night before. Folks, now, if you continue reading this scripture, we didn't read it tonight, but if you continue reading this chapter, you'll see where this man went on into the temple. First, you see that the people gathered around, wanted to see what was going on. They all recognized. They all recognized. And then Peter comes up. Peter and John both. Namely, Peter, though, he comes up. He sees this crowd of, uh, uh, around this new convert, and they're all saying, my goodness, this is the man that laid out here begging alms. This is the same one. It ain't like the man over in John chapter 9, if you're familiar with that account. Hey, there was a blind man over there that Jesus healed. And when he healed, it said that the scribes and the Pharisees, they had all these questions for it. And they said, who done this to you? And the man said, I know not. I don't know who done this to him because Jesus had done left the scene and gone on away. But where did Jesus find him just a little while later? He found him in the synagogue. He found him in the temple. He found him in the place of worship exactly where he should have been. All these people. All these people are gathered around. Peter says this is a wonderful time to present the gospel. This is a good time to do some preaching. And Peter does just that. Boy, he rakes them over the coals, too, if you read this account in Acts chapter 3. He rakes them over the coals. He says, this Jesus, which you crucified. He says, this man, hey, you would rather have a murderer as to have had this man. He says all these things in this sermon that he preaches. 
He says this thing to these people. And some of them fell under conviction. Many of them fell under conviction. Many of them got saved. How many people got saved that day? Because of one man's testimony. I laid here all my life, lame on my feet from my mother's womb. And these men come by yeah. and they told me about a man named Jesus Christ. And this same Jesus is the one that healed me. This name of Jesus is all powerful. How many people got saved because of one man's testimony? Don't hide your testimony from anyone. You never know who it's going to influence. Your testimony can't save. Only the blood of Christ can do that. But I wonder. I have to wonder. In the same Bible, so don't y'all say Scripture said this, this Bible says this. But I wonder how many of those people that were gathered there in the temple yard that day, seeing this man that had been lame on his mother's feet, on his mother's feet, I have to wonder how many of them knew about Peter's denial. And now that same Peter is standing there preaching Jesus Christ to them. Preaching the same man that he denied three times. And folks, we can't look down our nose at Peter for that. We can't look down our nose at Peter. I've denied him more times than three. I praise God that we only have three times from Peter in Scripture that's recorded that he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish I could say it was only three times. But I can't. But I have to wonder how many of those people stood there listening to Peter preach Jesus, preach the same Jesus that he that he denied. I have to wonder how many of them knew knew about Peter's denial. But the man leaped up and walked and there with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. He wasn't ashamed of it. He wasn't ashamed of what God had done for him. And not only that, he wasn't praising Peter and John for what had happened. They had told him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It says that he leaped and he walked and he praised God. He didn't turn around and say, hey, I owe you fellows my life. Here's a couple of hundred dollars. Go on your way and get what you want. He was praising God because he knew it was God that had worked a miracle in his life. If you're sitting here saved and it wasn't a preacher it wasn't your mama or your daddy it was God that worked that miracle and they knew that it was he which set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him I would have been filled with wonder and amazement too now remember these Jews these were Jews and they were very religious Religion never got them anywhere with God. Religion never got them one step closer to God. No more than it will us as the New Testament church. I've heard it said many times since I've been saved, religion will send you straight to hell. And it will. It will. Now, there's religious things that we do. Every church service, what do we do? We come in. We take up prayer requests. We have singing. We have announcements. What is it? That's religion. We do that religiously. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we start depending on, well, we came into church and we went through the motions and we've done exactly what we do every Sunday, we can go home now. Even if the preacher gets up and preaches, okay, we can go home now. We had service. 
it continues to be a religion if God never shows up. Amen. Amen. It continues to be a religion if God never enters in on the scene. If the Holy Ghost ain't present, I know that, that, that He lives within me and He lives within you, and I praise God for that. I understand that. But folks, if the Holy Ghost don't have His way in the service, if a preacher stands up and preaches something he knows he ain't supposed to preach, it's going to kill the service. Right? If a singer gets up and sings knowing that they're doing it in their own pride, and they're knowing that they're doing it for themselves, that can kill the entire service. If someone stands up to testify and they're doing it in themselves and they're doing it so that the congregation will look at them and say, oh, well, this one is a fine person and that one is a good lady or a good man if they're doing it for that. It can kill the service better than four o'clock. But when God comes in, just as God had to show up here between these three men, God had to be here. When God shows up, then we can have service. Then we can have a spiritual service. Then we can worship God. If we worship God and don't do it in spirit and truth, what good is it doing? Amen. What good is it doing? It'll do us no good. God ain't going to credit our account at all. Period. Folks, it's, we just come here and we go through the motions or we go out there and we go through motions when that happens. So, I suggest you get in the Word you find out exactly what it is to worship God. God's got a prescription for worshiping Him. He's got a prescription for it within the pages of this book. And if we do it outside of that prescription, oh, we ain't really worshiping God. This man here, he was healed. And it says he went into the temple. He went in where God, where he being a Jew, he felt like God was. Folks, that's all the Jews knew for thousands of years. Amen. God's in the tabernacle. When the tabernacle was done away with, God was in the temple. Yeah. He, was there, he was there in the temple. That's all this Jew knew. He wanted to go where God was. He wanted to go where these men of God were going. Even though they had just preached Jesus Christ to him. Hey, folks, I hate to think. I hate to think back when I first got saved. How, how bad my theology was. How little I really knew. I knew a lot of the history of the Bible. I did. I knew, I knew a lot about the Bible, the historical aspect of it. But as far as salvation went, I was a new creature in Christ. I was a babe then. All I knew was I was I was a sinner one day and I was a, and I was saved the next day. That's all that I knew was that something drastic had changed in my life. Something drastic had changed in this man's life. So what if he thought that God was still in the temple? So what? Hey, his people had thought that literally for thousands of years. There was nothing wrong with the way he thought, as long as he was showed otherwise later. Yeah, it's when it's when we don't show people. When people are in an error and we don't show them that, the book of Ezekiel says in two different chapters, when we stand before God, we will have their blood on our hands. If we don't tell them the error of their ways. Like I said, this man here, I don't blame him for doing that. If I'd have been him, that's probably the first place I would have wanted to have went to. But regardless of any of that, I'm getting off track again. Regardless of any of that, the man was healed. He received He received. Really, quite literally, salvation. Salvation. He received deliverance, which is salvation. 
I'm persuaded this man not only received physical healing, but I'm persuaded that he received spiritual healing. All at the same time. Why? Because he believed on the name of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, Paul tells the church at Rome that if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you confess him with your mouth and you believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This man here believed in Jesus Christ and it says that he walked and he praised God. Hey, that sounds like a confession to me and that sounds like a belief to me. Amen. And if you confess something that you don't believe, you're a liar and little liar will inherit the kingdom of Amen. God. Amen. Anyway, that's all God got. God bless you all. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Let's get preaching.